there was angels. This morning, I'm going to teach and preach to you. Everybody say, teach and preach. We're going to get a little bit of both this morning. Is that all right? All right. If you love the Word, you may be seated. It's a unanimous vote. Now, I would like for you to take notes this morning if you can. Please take notes. Because what I'm going to be giving to you this morning is a lot of information. This morning in Job chapter 38, we read that before the creation of the world and everything that we know as the world was, angels were already created. Angels were created for one primary purpose. And that purpose being to give glory and praise unto God. Everybody said amen. Praise God. God did not create the angels so that He would have the ability to get counsel from them. Angels are not for the purpose of giving God information that God doesn't already know. Angels were created for God's companionship originally. God does not desire to be alone. And if you really think about it, long before creation, God was a lonely God. But one day he said, I will create those that will serve me, that will love me, that will give me companionship. And so the angels were created. If we go to Ezekiel, if you go there with me, to Ezekiel chapter 28. When God created the angels, he did not do it haphazardly. He didn't one day just say, well, I'm going to create a whole bunch of band of angelic messengers that are perfect in the created sense. And I'm just going to turn them loose and just let them do anything they want to do. Everybody say, God has always had structure. Everything that God has ever done, even before the creation of the world, he has always had a definite organization and structure to it. Let's look in Ezekiel chapter 28. In verse number 13 we read, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets, and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. My, this sounds like an important person, whoever this is. Verse 14 says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Now for all of you Bible theologians, if you would notice the rest of this chapter, 
the preceding verses and those that follow, you will find out that who is spoken of here is Lucifer. Lucifer is being spoken of here. And if you will notice here that the prophet begins to describe the fact that Lucifer in those times before creation actually had a position in God's kingdom. You see, the angels were not without direction. They were not without structure. They were not without organization. As a matter of fact, as you notice here in the Word of the Lord, in verse number 13, if you will notice, in the latter part of that verse, it says, The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. In Lucifer was created these musical abilities. The tabrets and the pipes are musical connotations. And within Lucifer, Lucifer was music of heaven. Think about that. He said in verse 14 that thou art the anointed cherub. Now we know what cherub is. That's the angels. The word cherub means messenger or angel. And here we find out that old Lucifer was the anointed angel. The word anointed means set aside for priestly service. Think about that. So when you put all of this together, what is this really saying? It's saying that Lucifer was in charge of music in heaven. Or could I make it this simple? Lucifer was the choir director of heaven. Evidently, as that priestly service, as the anointed cherub, his job was to direct the worship that came from all of the angels unto God. He was the mediator, the priest. He stood in the middle. He was the anointed cherub. He directed the worship of all of the angels unto God. But we will see that there must evidently have come a time that he was seeing all of this worship and adoration unto God and he began to think that he wanted it too instead of just being the channel and the choir director if you please of the worship directing to God he said man he said I'd like to get a little bit of that myself and so we read that Lucifer was in charge of worship Ezekiel 28 13 and 14 Evidently, if you look into the Word of the Lord, you will find there that angels, and at the creation of angels, God gave each one of those angels specific purpose, specific plan, and a charge, if you please. The angels were evidently divided into three courses or three groups, each one of them overseen by an archangel. The archangels were Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. Here we see that God, without any doubt, had definite structure and plan. Now, for all of those of you that don't think that God needs structure and plan in His church today, guess again. God has always had a plan, a structure. His people, whether they were the created angel or the saved, redeemed, have always needed a structure, a body to do their bidding. God is an organized God. Can you say amen? 
And so here we see that the angels were created. Now, let's go on here a little bit this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, we know that the angels were already created because the Bible says that He did not counsel them to do it. So evidently, they must have been around. At the creation of the earth, God made everything that is. Now, there was a reason that God created the earth. God did not create the earth to be a place of... of of beauty or a place of just looking at but God made the earth to be a place for man to abide that's the reason the earth was created as a matter of fact the only way that he could keep the earth there was he had to create all the universe with it could I be so uh, could I step out on thin ice here this morning and to say that everything that is the earth the stars the moon everything was created so that man could have a place to abide. Hallelujah. The Bible says that He created the earth and made the earth for man. But let's go on here a little bit. The next thing that took place was that Lucifer rebelled against God. I want you to get the picture. Evidently, the earth had already been created. Man was not there yet, and Lucifer rebelled against God. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. We do not know exactly how long that situation was. For all we know, that situation of voidness and darkness upon the face of the deep could have been for generations or years or millennia. We don't know. But all we do know is that there came a time that Lucifer had pride rise up in his heart. Pride rose up and he said, I will ascend and be like God. I'm going to be like God. I can do it. I can do it. I will sit on the throne. And rebellion caused Lucifer to be thrown out of heaven. So... Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. I want to give you some scripture this morning. A lot of these scriptures that I'll, go up, I'll put up on the overhead, uh, I'm not going to turn to, but I want you to look them up later in your, in your personal devotion. Is that all right? But I do want to go through a couple here this morning. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. Here we see the story being told. It says this, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And they prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Here we see that Lucifer, did he, he was so haughty that he actually got some of the angels together and said, I believe that we can defeat God and those angels that are loyal to Him. And they fought against Michael, one of the other archangels. And they said, well, we can defeat them. But Satan 
learned a good lesson. When you try to fight God, you never win. You can't fight against His will. You can't fight against His plan. You can't fight His word. You can't fight His spirit. And anytime you're not on His team, you're always a loser. Somebody said, Amen. Satan said, We're going to fight against God. We're going to fight against the angels. Hallelujah. 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 Let's look and see what happened. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 6. Keep your finger in that chapter that we just read in Revelation chapter 12. But let's go to 1 Timothy 3 and verse 6. Brother Gary, could you get that for me? 1 Timothy 3 and verse 6. Hallelujah. Sister Strout, why don't you get for me John 8, 44. We'll fly here. Sister Lila, get Isaiah 14, 13, and 14. All right, listen to what the Word says. Of the devil. Here we see that Timothy was being warned of Paul. Don't let pride creep into your heart. Don't be a novice because if you do, you're going to end up in the same situation as Satan did. Cast down. All right, let's read John 8. 44. Uh-huh. All right, now think about what it's saying here. He was a murderer from the beginning. I mean, Satan was causing fights long before man even came around. Now, if you think that Satan is trying to mess up your life, well, don't think that's something new. Don't think that you're the Lone Ranger. It's been happening a long time. He's a fighter. He's a murderer. He, he's a blasphemer. And Sister Strout read, he's a liar. I don't like him. Hallelujah. All right, let's go. Isaiah chapter 14. Now, what did he say? What did Lucifer say? He said in his heart, what? Uh, he said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt thy throne above the stars of God. I will step also upon the mount of the congregation and the sides of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I will be like the Most High. Lucifer rebelled against God. He rebelled against God. But I've got news for him. He won't be like the Most High. Because there is none like the Most High. Aren't you glad? So here we see that there was trouble in heaven. The angels had what you would call a division. There was a war that went on. And evidently, Satan took with him one-third of his angels. Because God will not put up with a rebellious nature. A lying, murdering nature. He won't do it. And the Bible says that he took old Lucifer, probably took him by the scruff of his neck and said, Pal, I've had about enough of you. 
and Satan's legs were, were wiggling because he was off the ground because God had picked him right off the ground and said, you're lucky, friend. I just don't annihilate you right now. Can you picture God in his anger and fury just looking at Satan and saying, you know that I created you and all I've got to do is take my thumb and just rub you out. How many believe God could do that? And he just kind of picked up that scrawny little angel. You can just see, you can just see Satan right now as he's being picked up by the scruff of his neck. And he's just like, put me down. Put me down. And Satan says, you want to go down? You're on your way down, pal. Boom. And Satan was cast out of heaven. Or let me say it this way. He was fired. He said, you're not going to be the, the worship leader in heaven anymore. You're not going to be the choir director in heaven anymore. As a matter of fact, I don't even want to see you anymore. Goodbye. But where did he put him? Let's go to Genesis. Uh, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 9. In Revelation 12 and verse number 9, we find out where God put him. And sometimes I feel like saying, thanks a lot, God. <laughs> it's like that murderer that they're trying to put down here in Booth Bay Harbor. You know, have you read about that? I mean, give me a break. Who wants to have four or five houses down? Somebody that was in jail for 30 years because they brutally slashed and raped women, you know. At least if they're going to put him in the town, you know, make it a little different situation than saying, here he comes. Let's look and see what happened to Satan. Verse 9 of Revelation 12. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Oh, you're siding with him? Okay, see you too. And so one-third of the angels was cast out with Satan. Satan was like a star that fell from heaven. And so we see that the angels at that time, if you please, they kind of got cleaned up. One-third of the angels fell, but two-thirds didn't. And if you ever think that Satan has power on this earth that is equal to God, Guess again. Not only does he have twice as many angels, but Satan's power is limited by God. Now, I'm not, this lesson is not a lesson on Satan, okay? We're talking about angels this morning. But I don't want to show you something. Article in one of our secular magazines said Satanism. Kids who are selling their souls to the devil. Down there you'll see it says, Scott Waterhouse below left is serving a life term for the killing of a 12-year-old uh, Giselle Cody below right in a grisly satanic killing. You see, Satan is alive and well on the planet Earth. This man right here that you're looking at in the top right is Anton LaVey. 
He is the leader of the church of Satanism. He is the author of the Satanic Bible. These people actually worship Satan. Satan was cast down into this earth. He has become the god of this world. He is the prince and the power of the air. But I'm glad that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. So Satan was cast down. He was not destroyed. He was simply demoted. And then... Not long after that, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, man was created. Now, can you just picture Satan as Lucifer as he is down, been cast down to the earth? He's been demoted, he's been ridiculed, he's been mocked, he's been put down. And there he is on the, on the face of the earth. And all of a sudden, he looks, and suddenly, here is this guy standing there with two legs and two arms called Adam. Immediately, Lucifer said, I don't know what it is about that guy, but I don't like him. And let me tell you what the scare was in Satan's mind. He was afraid that Adam was a threat to his kingdom. And the good news is, he was. And he is a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And from the very first time that Lucifer laid his eyes on man, he has tried to destroy him. And so, let's look and see what took place here. Now, if you will notice, what Satan tried to do with man is he did not try to kill man. He didn't try to annihilate him. All he wanted to do was mess up his relationship with God. Now, I want you to get that. It's not so important that God kills you. He just doesn't want you having a close relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what he hates. So what did he do? We all know the story since kindergarten. Satan deceived man. Genesis 3 and verse 6. And as I hurry on, man was cast out. And uh, Satan was glad about that. And suddenly, we have a conflict going on in the world. What is the conflict? Lucifer is saying, I was here first. This is my earth. He cast me down to it and, and you have no right to be here. When all of the time the real plan was is that the earth was formed to be a habitation for man. It was man. That's why that Adam had the ability to name all of the angels. Man was cast out 
of the Garden of Eden and he was told to go out and till the ground and to take care of the earth. And suddenly there was a struggle that began between the powers of darkness and the powers of God. The good news this morning for those of us that are children of Adam is that we do not struggle alone. It is not Adam against all the adversary and his power. But yet, it is us, children of Adam, mankind, that are locked in the battle, standing side by side with the armies of Almighty God fighting the powers of darkness. Clap your hands if you're glad about that. Hallelujah. But the struggle continued, and the struggle went on. Hallelujah. And now, man that tries to live for God by himself is, is continually cast back down. Notice that rebellion against God always, always caused the state of being cast down. It always seemed to be going from a higher state to a lower state. First Satan was cast out of heaven and down to the earth. And then man was cast out of the Garden of Eden and out into the world. And to this day, my friend, if you want to arise, then submit to God. If you want to go down, rebel against the Word. But I want you to know that if you obey what the Scripture teaches, then you will arise to newness of life. Hallelujah. So we see that as the story unfolds this morning, we see that man was locked into this struggle. It has always been that man has had frustration and defeat. Can you say amen? One preacher, Tommy Kraft in Mississippi, things were going so horrible for him. He got a big map out and he laid it out on, the, out on his desk and he pointed the finger to Mississippi, pointed the finger to the town that he was in. Jackson, Mississippi. And he said, Lord, this is called Jackson, Mississippi. And I wish you'd come visit this place sometime. Lord, it just seems so that all we've had is struggle and all we've had is problems. Hallelujah. There does seem so sometimes that man is full of trouble. Man is full of defeat. Praise God. Oh, friend. But what we need to realize this morning is most defeats are only one segment of our entire life. Life is not a defeat. Life is a victory in itself. What we must do is we must realize that we do not fight alone. But rather we have a God that imparts angels to strengthen us and to lift us up, and to be there with us, and to always stand beside us. A saint of God need never fear the dark, because a saint of God is never alone. This morning as we prayed for Sister Matthews, and suddenly her arm began to be able to come up, and then she was having it raised up in worship. If we were able to look and to open up the spiritual realm, what would we see? We would see angelic beings there underneath that arm holding it up, pushing it up, strengthening it, 
praise God. For that person that's, uh, that's in the middle of the wilderness and suddenly he finds his strength waning and he needs to cry out to God and he says, God, would you strengthen me? God's purpose and plan is to impart angels. And those angels come and get on either side and begin to help begin to nurture and begin to strengthen and begin to take some of the load. I'm telling you this morning that angels are as real as this pulpit is this morning. Angels are not always seen. Angels are not always known. And angels get very little credit, my friend. But if it was not for angels, then the church of God would not be what it is today. There have been times that services have been going on. People have driven by and suddenly God for a moment lapsed that spiritual umbrella that, that is over the spiritual world and suddenly you could see into it. They said that in some services, places, this place is packed with angels. Because you see, there was a time that, that they, began to, they began to call out on God, the children of Israel, because they, the army was greater than them. And God just opened up their spiritual eyes for a minute. And suddenly the hills were surrounded with people and with armies. And they said, who are these people? Well, these are the messengers of God and they're for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Praise God. Praise God. I want to talk a little bit this morning about the nature of angels. We've talked a little bit about Satan. His character is not the character that I'm about to talk about. I want to talk about those angels that were loyal. Those angels that stayed. Those angels that are on our side. Those angels that perhaps are even in this building this morning as I speak. The word angels comes from a Hebrew word, melech, which literally means agent. The first time that I read that, that the word angel literally means from the Hebrew agent, that's where the Greek angelos comes from, or messenger. An agent is a person that represents a higher power. For instance, this morning, if somebody here was with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, you would be called a special agent. You might even be here to protect or to do some sort of bidding of a higher power. This morning, that's what angels are. They are special agents of God's miraculous power. Hallelujah. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 4. This is what it says. Being made so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now look at verse 14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth? They are sent forth to do what? To minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Hallelujah. The angels are not sent forth to take care of Michael Jackson or Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're not sent forth 
to take care of the ungodly of this world. The angels are sent forth to take care of the heirs of salvation. You know who that is? Everybody say that's the church. Everybody say that's the church. Everybody say that's the body of Christ. That's the redeemed. That's, the, that's those that know Him. Hallelujah. Can I say this this morning? That we have an advantage on the rest of the world because we have an unseen power that guides us? Hallelujah. Praise God. Angels are spirits. Angels are spiritual messengers. Number two, angels are without bodily organism. In other words, they are not limited to the rules and principles of this life. The law of gravity doesn't apply to angels. Angels can walk through walls. Angels can be here and be there in another minute, in a moment. Number three, sometimes angels appear as men. Did you know that? Say, oh, Brother Stroud, I don't believe that. That can't be in the Bible. Go with me to Genesis 19. Brother Peter Brown, get Genesis 19 for me. Verses 1, verses 5, and verses 15. Did you get it? Genesis 19, verses 1, 5, 15. We can entertain angels unaware. Brother Peter, stand and read it with boldness. appeared as men and it seems so that they didn't even know that they were angels but God called them there hallelujah sometimes angels appear as man in Psalms 8 verses 4 and 5 we read that angels are higher than mankind in their glorified bodies but we read in 1 Corinthians 6 and 3, and we've got to turn here because we can't go too far without reading this. Brother Brian, 1 Corinthians 6 and 3. And then Hebrews 1, 14. Brother Greenlaw, why don't you get that for me? 1 Corinthians 6 and 3. Angels are not. And can I put an emphasis on this? 
underline it, put an exclamation point at the end. Let's put neon around this. Angels are not glorified dead humans. Brother Brian, stand and read. Notice that man is going to be judging angels. Man is going to be put into a judgment. Now, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. Ooh, did I get that out? Okay, Brother Rob. Okay, these are ministering spirits. This is not Aunt Sadie that died in 1804. Hello? This is not Grammy and Grampy that is coming back to help you. And you can pray to your ancestors all you want, and all you're going to be doing is be guilty of idolatry. Angels are not dead, gone by humans. And I don't care what Hollywood says, and I don't care how much they depict them as such. Once you die, my friend, you die. But angels are special agents and messengers to the heirs of salvation. Do you believe that? Hallelujah. Praise God. Angels are not omniscient. They don't know everything. 2 Samuel 14 and 20 and 19, 27. If you want to follow those. I'm not going to give out all these scriptures this morning. I can't for the sake of time. Angels are stronger than man. Psalms 103 and verse 20. They are stronger than man. Also in 2 Peter 2 and verse 11, and in 1 Thessalonians 1, 7. If you, if you can't get these this quick, then after service, I'll give them to you. Praise God. And angels have been known to do miracles at times. Genesis 19, verses 10 and 11. And when we get to heaven, we will find out that there are multitudes upon multitudes of angels in heaven. A few words to describe them is that they are loyal, they are obedient, they are busy, and they are highly organized. In many instances, angels have worked as spokesmen of God. Notice it was an angel that came to Zacharias and said, Zacharias, your wife is going to be with child. Notice it was an angel that appeared to Mary with the news that there was going to be something miraculous happening. Notice it was an angel that came to Joseph and said, Joseph, don't worry, everything's going to be all right. Notice it was angels that appeared to the shepherds and said that there was a miraculous birth taking place. Notice it was an angel that appeared to Cornelius and showed him direction about how to be saved. Notice it was an angel that appeared to Paul and to John. Notice it was an angel that will use the judgments in the book of Revelation. And notice it will be an angel that will put trumpet to lips and blow it at the time of the rapture of the church. Can you say hallelujah? Praise God. Whenever there has been an increase in angelic activity, it has always preceded something great in history. Glory to God. 
I tell you right now that we are living in a time that Jesus Christ could come. All Bible prophecy is fulfilled. My wife and I were listening to the radio on the way home yesterday. We were listening to uh, 90.9. And suddenly they came on with a report that just astounded me. And I told my wife, I said, that's Bible prophecy being fulfilled. Today, man is smarter than he's ever been. You realize that right now, up there somewhere, we've got a, a shuttle that's, that's within 35 or 40 feet, or at least it was, of a, of a Russian one that was sent up months before. And they found each other. Think about that. And they're even thinking about docking together. Man is smarter than he's ever been before. And technology in how to take care of diseases is greater than it ever has been. My son got scarlet fever a few weeks ago and we just went beside ourselves. But the doctor said, don't worry about it. Today, modern medicine has the ability to take care of scarlet fever and it's not a problem like it used to be. Man is smarter than he ever has before. But we listened to the radio and the report said that infectious diseases is greater now than it has ever been in the history of mankind. There is more disease, more rampant sickness that is eating away at, at mankind throughout the world than ever, ever before. That doesn't make sense. Man is smarter. Man is more technolo technologically advanced in medicine. And disease is more rampant. But I told my wife, I said, that's because the Bible says that right before the rapture of the church, there would be pestilences throughout the world. And sickness would increase. Because you see, man isn't smart enough to outthink the plan of God. Hallelujah. And right before every great event in history, God always preceded it with angelic activity. And did you hear what I said? God always preceded it with angelic activity. Right now, God is aligning everything and angels are on alert. The agents have a special call. Because something good is happening. You remember me telling a few months ago that President Clinton called Brother Mangan from Louisiana. About nine days ago, almost two weeks ago, he called for Brother Mangan again. Brother Mangan's a, a, a Jesus name, apostolic, Holy Ghost filled man of God, pastors a church in Alexandria, Louisiana. Man of about 72 years old. He's been in our district and preached in several of our churches. President Clinton called him and said, I want you to come to the White House. He came to the White House again about two weeks ago. He went in. They sat in the Oval Office. This time Hillary was there too. Usually Hillary gets out of the way when the man of God arrives. But President Clinton said, I don't understand what's going on. He said, everything seems to be falling apart. He said, I need you to pray for me. And Brother Mangan said, I will. He said, and I'm going to pray that God would change your mind. Change your mind on abortion and change your mind on some of these things that you stand for. Because as long as you stand for them, God's not on your team. And if you want to be blessed, you need God. Brother Mangan said that he, uh, Clinton was there and sitting in the little seats there in, in the Oval Office. And uh, 
He just reached out, laid his hands on his head, and prayed in the name of Jesus that God would fill him with the Holy Ghost. God didn't fill him with the Holy Ghost, but I want you to know what's happening right now. Is it not reminiscent of the times that Saul called for David and said, David, come and talk to me. Won't you play your harp? Won't you pray for me? Won't you come into my presence? Saul would call for Samuel. The man of God would have to come. Those those kings would call for Elijah and say, Elijah, come. You see what's happening right now, ladies and gentlemen, is that we are living in a time where God is moving like He never has before.